All right, I'm here with Steffi. Um, she's going to introduce herself. Hey guys, how are you? My name is Steffi Cohen. For those who don't know me, I am a professional powerlifter. I dabble a little bit in Olympic weightlifting, and I'm currently getting my degree in physical therapy school. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I I know you because you're like the strongest person I know now. Because that, that I, I've seen your your videos, just stumbled across them. I thought they were amazing. And like, what made you want to be like so strong? Um, good question. I, for me, it's it's been more of like a uh, an outlet for finding something that allows me to be competitive. So I played sports when I was growing up. I was in the national soccer team back in Venezuela, and when I came here to the states and ended my soccer career, I was kind of just looking for something that I could be, again, good at. So I tried out a bunch of different sports. I tried kickboxing, half marathons, triathlons, crossfit, Olympic weightlifting, and then eventually powerlifting. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like me trying a bunch of different sports just to find something that I could compete at and be good at. And was there like a moment when you realized that that was the sport that you wanted to do? Um, well, I usually give myself a good amount of time before I kind of transition into the next sport. So, um, for Olympic weightlifting, I did it for three years and I still do it and just kind of like realized, oh, Hey, I am getting better every month. I think I have the talent and the skills that to, to be able to compete at a high level, kind of like the same thing happened with powerlifting. I just kind of started doing it, realized that I could be good at it and, just didn't stop. And what got you into that? It wasn't that? like a one into powerlifting. Yeah. Initially, it was Hayden, my boyfriend. He used to do Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting both. So when I first got into physical therapy school, I, I was having a really hard time with like training for Olympic weightlifting because it's such a mentally exhausting sport. And Hayden suggested, hey, why don't you just stop hitting yourself your head against the wall and stop trying to snatch and clean and jerk every day if it's not if you're not having fun why don't you just try to do the things that you enjoy at the gym and for me that was just strength movements squatting benching pulling that was fun it didn't require that much kind of mental focus it was i could do it on my own time i didn't need to have a whole squad team behind me cheering me on or i didn't need to have a coach always looking at me whenever I trained. So to me, it just seemed like a, a better thing to do while I was in school. But mm-hmm. I never imagined that I was going to, that I was going to stop competing in weightlifting and start competing in powerlifting, I guess. Mm. And what, like, what motivated you? To? Like, just what, mo- mo- yeah, motivated you to train? Was it just like some something, someone, you know, like a lot of people have reasons. Um... I don't know. I think it's not so much what motivates me to train is just kind of like my desire to, to improve. I, I like kind of grabbing, you know, picking a thing, whether that's a sport or something else recreationally and, and kind of see my progress to me, that's motivational to just know that I'm getting better at something, Mm. I guess. So you just like, you just want to constantly improve. Mm hmm. So what happens when you hit like a, a plateau or, I mean, some people hit plateaus and then they break through it later, but how, how does that make you feel when you hit like a, one of those points or you haven't hit one yet? Um, 
No, yeah. It, it's, yeah, of course I have many times. Um, it's really frustrating. I feel like nothing that I say I've necessarily followed the whole time. You know, every time that you, you're not getting better, you're going through a rough patch. doesn't matter what, what anyone else says. It's kind of, you're, you're, you're so stuck in your own head that it's hard to kind of think outside, I guess. But, um, I don't know. I guess I, I try to just focus on different things or different aspects of training other than just the numbers. You know, for me, when you're going, when I'm going through a, a good patch in training, I'm really focused on, okay, this last week I did 200 pounds this week. I'm going to do 205. But when it's not going well, you just have to focus on other things that are not directly related to numbers inside of the gym. So things like, oh, I'm going to complete all of the reps and sets in this program session, or I'm going to focus on the quality of my movement. I'm going to really focus on my deadlift technique today or on my bench technique. I'm going to be a critic of my own work. You know, every set I'm going to, I'm going to film it and I'm going to try to improve on the next one, that kind of stuff. And just keep telling myself that it's just, it's just a rough patch in the road and eventually it's going to be over. Just try to try to keep showing up every day and not letting it leaving each bad training session at the gym and not dragging it along every time. I think that's a big one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great way of doing it. I think everyone has like failures or whatever you want to call them. So it's like trying to get past that. Just, it takes a while. Of course it takes time. And then, um, so how is it like transitioning from sport to sport? I mean, I, I used to be one of those people that just went from here to here to there you know, if I didn't like something, I would leave it right away. You would or you wouldn't? I, I, I would try, but then I, if I didn't like it, I would just leave. Um, you know, I've done jujitsu. have, uh, you know, I do a lot of other stuff in different side, you know, combat sports. But what, what, what made you, like, go from soccer? I mean, that's so different from... Well, it's not so different, but it's just diff- they're different sports. What made you go into from there to there? Like those are two different worlds. Um, well, like I said, it wasn't like necessarily from soccer straight into powerlifting. There were many things involved in the middle that I think kind of like the transition makes kind of sense. You know, it was like uh, soccer, triathlons, half marathons, all kind of like endurance related, nothing really inside of the gym. Then from there it was CrossFit. Uh, it was kind of like, CrossFit was the hot thing to do at that moment. It was like right when CrossFit was booming. I went to school with Noah Olson, who CrossFit Games champion, and and everyone was talking about him on campus. So I decided to st- drop by his gym and check it out and try it out. And that was the leeway into Olympic lifting, and then from Olympic lifting, powerlifting. But you know, I really, I always gave myself enough time to. Uh, it wasn't like it wasn't even when I didn't like it that I switched. There was. When I realized that I maybe didn't have what it takes to be good at that sport. Mm-hmm. Not, not whenever I didn't like it. For, to give you an example, when I was playing soccer, I started when I was eight, but I was terrible. I didn't, I actually, I was benched most of the time. I never got to play more than 10 minutes a game until I was like 13. That's a long time. Eight, nine, that's five years, five years. So I didn't give myself enough time to try to see if, if, if I could get better or I don't know if there's were any other things that I could do to improve. And same thing for tried. I did half marathons for two years. I think collectively I did about 12 half marathons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's interesting because I think I, just, anyone can do like any sport. 
Like it's not necessarily that you can do one sport and that's the only sport you're good at because it takes a long time to get good, especially if you start start off and I don't know if you don't have the talent or whatever it is, you just don't, you know, or the build or whatever you have to have or the endurance. Like there's so many factors when it comes to that. Um, and then changing sports, I think if you're just an athlete, I mean, athletes just all around you, you know, you, you're athletic. That's just like the kind of main premise. It doesn't matter. It depends on what you're doing. Like I'm not the strongest person, but you know, I'm quicker, faster than most people. So it, it just, you know, my cardio is insane. My, my strength is not, there's like there's this kind of balance and moving back and forth. And how, how yeah, the way I think about it is, yeah, the way I think about it is, of course, athletic people, I think, are, are more able to pick up on sports faster or quicker. But if you're thinking really about competing or about doing something seriously, it comes down to three things. It's like the way I see it. It's skill, talent, and passion. Skill is something that you can develop. So, you know, maybe you're already, you're, you're kind of fast, so maybe you can get faster. Or I don't know. Talent is something that you're born with. So, for example, a basketball player, they're tall, and they're born with being tall. No matter what I do, I can never I can never be tall. I can never be a basketball player. That's kind of like a requirement of that sport. And then passion is what you're naturally inclined for. It's your your, your interests, what you love to do, what, you know, what it's kind of like that deep fire inside of your heart that you just kind of want to keep doing, regardless of the outcome. So if you take into account those three things, and that's kind of what I was doing all along. I was trying to find something that would fill out those three categories for me. Mm-hmm. And did do you lose passion for other sports? I mean, you, you, you started in soccer, so did you lose passion for that? What, what, what was the kind of reasoning for that? No, for soccer, it was a completely different reason. For soccer, I, I had just moved to the States from Venezuela and... It, I was having a really hard time kind of balancing out going to school and training in a, in a D1 school. Like the, the training requirements were insane. It was, they would wake up at 4 a.m., they would train for three hours, then they would go to school to take classes. Then in the afternoon, they would train again, and they would go to class again, and they would train again. Like, it was just too much. And for someone who was, I was getting used to the language, you know, I had a communication barrier. Like, I could speak English very well, but it was still... You know, I was I hadn't been practicing for a long time, so school was really difficult, and communicating with other people was difficult. So, but I feel like if I had the mental strength that I have today, that I've gained through iron sports, I feel like I wouldn't have I wouldn't have quit. I would have given me given myself more time to kind of decide because it was fairly quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think it's really hard to kind of transition like that, and it's like, you know, you're going from especially leaving your country. I mean, my family's from Mexico, so it's always been like, kind of like, of course, this is, there's a lot of struggle over there. Uh, and it's like, you know, the government's terrible. Like, it's just like the, the worst like situation you can p- be put in. Um, and it's like, you're trying to make it over here, trying to, you know, I mean, you're just trying to leave the country and make it in another place uh, and be successful. And it's hard when you have a lot of people doubting you, but I'm always like one of those people that like, I like when people doubt us because like, it just motivates me. It's like, it gives me a little extra kind of fire. You know what I mean? 
Okay, what was I saying? I was saying that how how was it like moving from one place to the other, especially the language barrier? Like that must have been really difficult because you know my mother came from Mexico and it was just like she couldn't speak English very well. It was like you know this really kind of major problem trying to learn the language and the culture. How was that for you? Um, um it was. <clears throat> It was obviously it was difficult. It was difficult, but more more than the more than the more than the language barrier to say it some way, it was the kind of culturally it was difficult. You come from a, a country where you always live in your mom's house, where you have all this help, and then you're just kind of like thrown into this dorm where you have to figure out what you're gonna eat and have to figure out how to clean your clothes and all these other things and people around you aren't exactly like you, you know, like in Venezuela, we're, everyone's kind of the same. Like we, I don't think I was ever exposed to other people from other nationalities. Even. Like in my school, it was all Venezuelan Jewish people. Whereas when I, when I got to go to college, it was people from all over Indian, black people. Um, I don't know. Americans, Canadians, whatever. So just, it was a mix of things, scholarly, language, having to take that in English, having to figure out how to do my own thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah especially because, I don't know, I feel like, especially in Spanish, it's just the way you speak is different. And then when you try to translate it, it just doesn't work very well. Um, and then you're learning yeah. English and English, English, like people think Spanish is hard to learn. I'm like, English is really difficult. Like, it's not, it's not the easiest language but it's it's pretty pretty hard to learn English, especially if you come from trying to speak in, from another uh, language coming here. So, how long did it take you to kind of adjust to the culture and the language? Um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Like, I don't know if there was a particular point in time where I felt like I was adjusted, really. But I would say a couple of, a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's usually how it is because everyone just can't adjust that well. And why did you leave Venezuela? Because a lot of, I mean, I know it's really bad, especially right now. I, I think the government just collapsed or the econo economy just collapsed. Um, so, um, yeah, why, why was back in, this was in 2010. Um, the things weren't as bad as they are nowadays, but I mean, you could tell that something was going to happen. Like it was just very a very unstable situation. So um, my mom decided that it was the best thing for for her kids to do to just leave leave Venezuela in a time where when when we still could and when we could do it at our own pace, kind of thing. So and also for just for better opportunities, you know, a lot of the. A lot of the degrees that exist here in America don't even, like, we don't have that in the States. And, for example, for me, I was inclined to sports. And there was really, I, I studied exercise physiology in undergrad. And there was no exercise physiology in Venezuela. There was no physical therapy in Venezuela. So, for me, for what I wanted to do also, it made a lot more sense to move here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, well, like, physical therapy, like, how important... Like, is recovery to you, um, like, do you believe in, like, high-altitude training? Like, what, what, 
what what like you know chiropractics like is that is that something that you think are um that should be done for everybody like what what should people be looking at in terms of recovering because i feel like nobody really does recovery um i think the most the two most important factors for recovery are nutrition and sleep um and anything outside of that is kind of extra you know things like going to get soft tissue work done by either a chiropractor or a physical therapist or foam rolling or wearing compression garments or putting on the Normatec uh, compression boots. Those are all kind of extra, but I think most important is sleep, nutrition. Yeah, yeah. I think sleep and nutrition is probably the most important. Um, and what do you do specific recovery for yourself, like those other ones, you know, cryotherapy, like, uh, like there's so many other things. I mean, like, uh, what, what do you do personally? Nothing really. I, I have a, a really good chiropractor in Miami that I go to um, whenever. It, well, I try to go pretty often, but that's about it. To get an adjustment or to get tough tissue work, but that's about it. I don't, I don't really do anything else. Mm-hmm. And have you had like any major injuries? Uh, nothing too major. I did have kind of a chronic, long-lasting, persistent injury recently in January that held me back for a while. Uh, it was just, uh, no one really knew what it was. I went to a bunch of, a bunch of, uh, healthcare professionals and I was given like five different diagnoses. It was just unspecified low back pain that I had, like it carried with me for about six months. It was more so me being stubborn than anything else. You know, it was one of those injuries that you know that you're hurt, but you completely ignore it just to kind of, keep training which is really really stupid so for me it was just like i i knew i was injured i know it's hurt everything was extremely painful but i just kept showing kept going to the gym i kept training at the same intensity and obviously ended up being way more hurt than than i needed to be Mm -hmm. it's like your body couldn't handle your mindset like it it just didn't work um and yeah you can go ahead. No, I was just saying I was just ignoring how my body felt. Mm-hmm. And how important do you think, like, uh, kind of like knowing how your body feels? Because a lot of people don't really focus on that. They, they, they do like you know they do the training, they do the nutrition, but they don't focus on how their body actually feels. They just follow plans or you know um, don't adjust to what they need to do. Like, how do you c- kind of deal with that? Yeah, I think most people just kind of, um, most people neglect what their bodies are feeling in lieu of sticking to their program because they're scared of, of, they're scared of deviating from the program. They're scared of not making as much progress if they're not doing exactly what their program says, et cetera. And it's a big mistake because that's exactly how just a normal ache and pain becomes a severe injury. It's exactly what happened to me. So, you know, people are scared. People are really, really scared of taking time off again. People are really scared of taking time off, even just doing their sports. Like Olympic weightlifters, if you tell them you can snatch and clean and jerk, they, I mean, they're going to kill themselves. They, they don't like to do that. They don't like when people tell them that, and they're most likely not going to do it. 
you don't realize that they need to do it in order to continue making steps forward and continue keeping their health. Because at the end, I think the person that makes the most progress is the one with the least amount of injuries. So, I don't know, I think it's a, people are just not educated enough about what they need to do when they're injured or what happens if you don't, if you miss a session or if you miss a week of training, you know, they think the world's going to end and it's just a matter of them really understanding what, what, what's going on and what can actually happen. Mm-hmm. And as far as what is like your nutritional philosophy, do you, do you like kind of follow a specific, you know, keto? Uh, I mean, there's so many, like the, w- what do you follow and what, do, what do you kind of look at in terms of nutrition? I mean, science changes all the time. Science does change all the time, but I think the basic scientific principles remain the same. Like, I think for me, it's an irreputable fact, uh, the fact that if you eat in a caloric surplus, you'll gain weight. If you eat in a caloric deficit, you'll lose weight. You know, that's just basic laws of thermodynamics. Mm-hmm. So that's what I believe in. I'm like, pretty much just track my macros. I... I'm conscious about what I eat and I try to eat the best quality foods available at a particular time. So, you know, I'm in grad school, I'm pretty busy. Sometimes I don't make the best, the best choices as far as like nutrient density goes, you know, the best choices, but I try my best to do it as much as I can. But other than that, I really, really try to stick to a set amount of calories that I can eat just because I compete in a weight class and it's a small weight class. So if I get too far off from my weight class, then it's a problem. Then it becomes really hard for me to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What is that like in powerlifting? Cause I've n- never done it. So what is that like cutting weight for powerlifting or do you do not, not cut any weight? It depends on what federation you compete in. If you're, you know, some of them have two-hour weigh-ins. Most of them have 24-hour weigh-ins. So if it's a 24-hour weigh-in, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit easier, a little bit more flexible. Um, just because you can cut a lot more water weight just the mm-hmm. day before without it affecting your performance as much as it would if you were completely two-hour window. Um, for me, I usually walk around at the weight that I compete in. So I usually walk around at about 120 425 pounds and I compete in, 100, in the 123 pound weight class so usually not that, not bad at all mm-hmm. not a big cut in, most times I cut, I, in, um, in April for the US Open I cut down to the one, 114 class so that was a big cut mm-hmm. yeah it's like 10 pounds so like is that is, is there a lot of people that just cut a lot of weight I mean um, you know I'm from the the MMA scene, so where it's where you cut 40, 30 pounds. Like, it's an insane cut. I've cut to 135. I weigh about, walk around at 155 or 160. So it's like this major cut in powerlifting. Is that similar or is it just most people just stay at their natural weight class? Um, in powerlifting, they do some pretty pretty intense cuts. Mm-hmm. Pretty cuts. There's more so for men than for women for some reason. Hayden's weight class is uh, 181 pounds, and there's guys there that walk around at like 220,000 oh, from being the 108, which is insane. Because I mean, I get it for MMA. Like, I can 
understand that it's hard to, and it might affect your performance a little bit, you know, but when we're talking about putting the most amount of weight on your back that you can possibly handle mm-hmm. and you're cutting down 40 pounds for it, that just sounds brutal. I mean, I don't even want to know how it feels like because whenever I cut five, five pounds, I almost feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There, a lot of people have different kind of – it's just the pain tolerance, like some people. And, you know, like organs shutting down. Like uh, I haven't had that happen to myself, but I've seen people, you know, just their kidneys fail. Their, you know, whatever happens. Um, it's interesting. It's kind of interesting how that, that cutting weight – and, I mean, we're getting smarter about it. I mean, you know, I used to just cut like 30 pounds in, you know, four days, you know, just insane. And then – you know, I learned that maybe I should just like lower my weight, do this, do that, and then cut like five pounds like the day of. Uh, of course, like a lot of people don't take it. They always want to be the bigger person, the stronger person. Um, that's just how it is. But I, I, I couldn't imagine trying to cut 50, 60, 50 pounds. That's a ridiculous. Um, and also, we don't have IV drips. So I don't know if you have that in your sport. I think that would be really helpful in MMA. Uh, yeah, no, well, they're not really provided. Mm-hmm. If you if you want, can do it, but it's not really. Yeah, not a lot of people do it. And like, of course, I always get into this topic because I think it's so interesting. Um, like, how how, I mean, how prevalent is steroids in powerlifting? In your mind. Very. Okay. I mean, it's like a girl from the room. Very, very, very good. In, in any type of strength sport, I think. Mm-hmm. And what's your thoughts on that? Like, do you think it's just, you know, everybody does it, it's all good? Um, you know, or is it like just a small kind of percentage or is it a large percentage? I don't know. That's really hard. It's really hard for me to tell, you know, because I would be judging on the front of the cover. I'd be judging everyone based on the way they look, the way they perform, and you can't really do that. You know, there's a lot of people who are really good who have never done it. There's a lot of people who are really bad who are doing it, you know? So you can't really tell. I mean, just because of the nature of the sport, I think it's it's common sense that if there's, uh, if there's something that would improve your performance in that particular sport, I think it's common sense that you know, some people are going to take advantage of that. Some people are going to do it. It's like directly correlated with your ability to perform in that sport. When when we're talking about powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting, like directly strength sports. Um, I know I, as far as what I think about it, I think that at any high level in any sports, I think that's happening. You know, look at the Olympics or look at, I don't know what other high level competitions there's always people getting talked and it's not a surprise. You know, it's always like the top 10 people at some point, like at some point it comes out, not everyone, but a lot of them. That's why it's such a controversial issue. It's, it's, it's why it's such a big deal. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that it depends. I think, I guess it depends on what the situation is. So for example, you see many of these like stereo documents or, um, people for example in China that the kids enroll in these strength programs really really young they really don't know anything else outside of Olympic weightlifting for example they just get picked by the team and their parents just kind of drop them in there when they're eight 
And from the time they're eight until the time they're 18, all they see, all they breathe, all they believe in, all that they do is Olympic weightlifting. And then it gets to a point where the coaches tell them, okay, either you take this and you keep getting better or, you, or you're out of the team. And at that point, you know, it's kind of unfair because that's the only thing that they're doing. They probably don't even understand anything about it, about the substances that they're going to take. And then they're kind of just put between the sword and the wall. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I think there's like a moral, ethical dilemma there that's not definitely not fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then when it comes, when it comes, um, when we're talking about old adults that are making their own decisions knowingly about the pros and cons, about the risks and consequences, then I just think it's it's their own issue. As long as they're not violating your rules. Know, as long as these people aren't claiming that they're not taking anything and then they're competing in untested federations, I think that's morally and ethically, ethically incorrect. But if they're just doing it because they want to, because they, it makes them feel good, and they're not breaking any rules, then, I mean, what do you care? What sh- why should I care? Or why should you care? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the way I see it. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the way I see it. I mean, like, I don't care if you take steroids just to get a physique or whatever you want to do, like, or you just want to be really strong. I don't mind that, you know, even in like competition and powerlifting, I don't, I don't mind it at all because you're not doing something. I mean, you're kind of cheating, but it's just not, to me, it's not, it's not like life threatening or anything like that. You're just kind of doing it to your own body. So, um, but I, in like combat sports, I, I despise it. I just can't like when it just, this is not something that I would like to see, you know, it's like you're hurting people for a living. Like you're, you're trying to, you're basically just trying to hurt people so um if it's not like an even game to me it's just not it's not it's not very fun to watch because it's going to be one-sided and you know the testing's hard but it's not hard enough i mean like um you can get away with you know passing tests i mean look at lance armstrong barely got his uh all of his titles taken away all that stuff and then you look at the top 23 in the list for the the cycle was it the tour de france all 23 of them were on the same stuff. So um, for that, I'm just like, well, I guess what do you do? Give it to the 24th guy? Like, um, it's really interesting to yeah. see how the top, some of the top people do this. And I mean, it's you're still athletic. It doesn't matter. You know, steroids don't make you, they just make you a little better, but they don't, they don't necessarily get you to that point. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Which I, I find interesting and that, there's so many different sports. I mean, every sport's dirty. I don't, I don't, I don't claim that you know, you know that every sport is clean. I mean, you're just trying to win. That's like the whole goal of sports, just to do as best as you can and win. You know, it's like it's just a constant cycle. It's hard to stay on top, so I can see why people take supplements. I mean, I mean, supplementation. I think it's it's a whole other ball game because you know there's. There's a lot of steroids, PEDs. I wouldn't like to say steroids, but PEDs inside of, you know, whatever whey protein or something that you take that you don't might not even know because it's manufactured in China and they just mix those in batches all together. Yeah. And is that sure. is that hard for you to like? I mean, like if you like you see all these. I mean, do you see any of it? Like, is it is it at all visible to you, or do you just? kind of stay out of it because I'm the stay out of it kind of thing yeah of course I see it 
I mean, there's always people around you talking about it, doing it. It's just something that if, if you're in a gym that's serious about strength, then I think it's bound to happen around you a lot. Mm-hmm. And in any you go. And how does that like make you feel? Does that make you feel like oh, this person like what make does that change your opinion on the person, or is it just like oh, he's just doing it to whatever? No, I already explained to you how I feel. I think that as long as they're not breaking any rules, mm-hmm. I really don't care less about what they do with their body. Unless they're my friends and they're doing something stupid, then I might say something. But uh-huh. And how does that feel to like have your kind of peers, like people, maybe if someone just doesn't think you can do something or like just, you know, whatever, like, oh, you can't, you can't do, you can't bench 475 or something like ridiculous like that. Like, like, does that, does that like make you sad? Cause I get sad. Like, I don't care what people say online, but I care what like a friend says. Like, is that the same for you? I don't think my friends would ever tell me mm. that I can't do something. I think it's a complete opposite. I think they might have completely unrealistic goals for me, which is almost more frustrating because they might see something in me that I don't see yet. And, and to me, that's like they're only, I think about it, oh, they're only saying that to make me feel better or they're only saying that because they're my friends. But mm. they would never tell me that I can't do something, especially if they're friends of mine. I think mm. I would be pretty rude <laughs> yeah so they set the bar high for you like like they set it higher and higher for you is that like how they push you kind of like that yeah absolutely and when you get pushed like that does that give you motivation or is it just like oh well that's kind of unrealistic like where where do you kind of draw the line um honestly most of the times whenever they've you know, the first time I deadlifted 500, it was all, it was their idea. They kind of, I was doing my own thing. I, I think I I had programmed an AMRAP as many reps as possible at 200 kilos, 440. And I did it for like seven or eight reps. And then someone said, oh, you should just put another red on the bar. I had three reds on the bar. And they said, oh, you should just put another red on the bar for 500. And I was, I was really thrown off by it. I'm like, really? I mean... 500 is kind of really far from my best. I really think I should do it. And then everyone else kind of started backing it up and they put another red on the bar and I kind of did it. And it's been several occasions just like that in squat and in bench where they've just put something in the bar that they think I can do. And I kind of just write to the occasion. Mm-hmm. And like in the gym versus like competition, like, you know, a lot of people can kill it in the gym and then, they just don't do as well in the competition. Like, how do you feel like that, that kind of goes? I mean, you might lift bench 500 or, you know, 400 in the gym or, you know, you know, do a clean press or something or deadlift. But when you do it in competition, what, what is like the difference? Um, what's the difference between doing it in training and doing it in competition? Um, I mean, it's very different. Doing it in competitions a lot more difficult. You're stressed out. You're in front of people. You most likely changed your habits a little bit. You most likely traveled. Doing it in competition is definitely a lot more difficult. There's some people who totally shit the bed in in competition, mm-hmm. and they just never they never compete the way they train. And then there's other people who are the complete opposite. I I feel like I'm, most of the time I'm I'm that person who trains 
a lot worse than they compete. So I usually really surprise myself in competition when I'm able to do, with a few exceptions, but most of the time, yes. And do you set like goals? Is there like kind of a goal kind of thing? Or is it just do the best you can at the moment? Um, my goals are usually very uh, realistic. I kind of, I usually use one rep max because I don't, I very rarely max out in the gym. So I use these online one rep max calculators and I plug in kind of my, my best number. So whatever I did for five or for three and I plug it in and I see what comes out and that's what I base what I want to hit in, the, in competition on. Mm. I mean, have you ever like shocked, shocked yourself? Like, you know, where it's like, wow, I did something that I didn't like, like something above your goal, above your kind of realistic goal. Yeah. Many times. Many times. I mean, I've, I've hit 15, 20 pound squat PRs in competition. The last, one of my last meets, boss of bosses. I think my goal was to deadlift 210 kilos, so whatever that is, 475. And I ended up deadlifting, no, 210 is not 475. That's, How much is 210? That's 2.2. See, I hate the conversion thing. Like, everything should be one. Like, if it's kilograms, it's kilograms. If it's pounds, it's pounds. Um, it's yeah, I think it's about oh four, yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah four sixty two. My goal, my goal was four sixty two, and I ended up getting even a fourth attempt and deadlifting four eighty five. That means so that's like twenty pounds over what I was expecting to deadlift, uh-huh. and something that I hit in the in the gym before. I hit four sixty, four seventy, four eighty five. That means mm-hmm. there was like three PRs, one after the other. Mm-hmm. And like every time you increase and increase, do you feel like it's getting a little more difficult or is it just, you know, you got to keep trying, got to keep trying? Like, how does that feel? It really, it really depends on the, on the time. There's times where it's been really, really difficult to improve, like periods of time, months, weeks. And then there's periods of time where I feel like I have, like, it's never going to slow down. My last few months in preparation for Rebook Record record breakers that last meet that I did I felt like every single week I came into the gym at least a deadlift I felt like every week I was able to add significant amounts of weight into my deadlift which is something that honestly has never happened before this last two years of training so mm-hmm. and is that it comes and goes that's strange is that because your mental state or is it like kind of like how your body's feeling like what what, what do you think the reasoning is well, I changed up. I changed a bunch of things in my training. That's one thing. And a second explanation could be my technique got better, my mental strength got better. I don't know, but I think the main thing is I changed the way I trained a lot. Mm-hmm. So, for a, for a better way, I found I found a training method that was more helpful to me than what I was doing before. Mm-hmm. And do you make constant adjustments, or is it just like you? kind of don't make make really small adjustments like do you just focus on technique this and that like do you focus on all parts of the game plan kind of i know what you mean like is it is it what do you mean like you know you focus on mentality do you focus on like you focus on all these things like do you adjust everything do you try to just uh like kind of like your plan Um, my plan is 
based on what I think I need the most at that particular time and place. So yeah, I would say I adjust as I go. Uh, and as far as like, you know, supplementation, what, what is it that you, do you not take any supplements? Is it um, like, what, what, what do you have, what's your kind of method on that, especially with nutrition? Do you just get everything from whole foods or like, like how, 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 how do you do it? Um, no, like I kind of, as far as foods go, it's usually what's available to me, how busy I've been this past three years. Um, and then other than that, like, stuff like protein powder, omega-3, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I, well, Steffi, it was wonderful talking to you. It's really interesting, I think. Um, you're killing the game, I think. I don't, I don't think there's anyone kind of like you out there so it's really interesting kind of hearing your story um and like what you do and all that stuff it's it's pretty kind of gives you insight into other people 